Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Aren't you glad we serve a good, good Father? He's a good God. Father, I pray right now for your church. Lord, I pray that you will have your way in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, I pray that there will be such a unity as we move forward in this service, Lord. I pray that you will open every ear to receive your word, that we walk out of here transformed by the power of the living God. We don't need another message. We don't need another song. We need to encounter you, Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray right now, Lord, against any and all hindering things that might keep us from receiving from you, Father. I pray that you will show up in such a powerful way in our hearts. Lord, I thank you because you are a good Father. Because you're more than enough. I thank you that you are our healer, that you are our provision, that you are our freedom, that you are our atonement. I thank you, Father, that you are more than enough. That Jesus, your cross is more than enough. Your resurrection is more than enough. We praise you, Jesus. Come on, church. Come on, church. Let's just thank him for a moment. Let's just thank him. Let's thank him. Come on, we can do better. Let's thank God because he's good. Man, I, I, I feel like there's a heaviness on the spirit, on this service right now, and we need to break it. There's a heaviness, and let's let's thank him. You know, you guys can do more than five seconds of clapping. You guys can say thank you more than, than three seconds. Let's thank the Lord. Jesus, we thank you because you're enough. We thank you because you are the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. We praise your holy name because you are enough. Lord, we thank you because you are going to meet with us today. Jesus, your word says, where two or three are gathered together in your name, you are there. Lord, I thank you that you are here today to meet with us. Lord, you do not want us to walk out of here the same way we walked in. Lord Jesus, there are people that might be far from you that you want to grow close to. And there are people that are here today that are close to you that you want to be closer to. But Lord, at the end of the day, you want an intimate relationship with each of us. And so, Father, I pray right now that that will happen. I thank you because you are a good God, because you are a faithful God, because you are worthy of all of our praise. We praise you, Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It's a good it's a good day. Anytime the church gathers together, it's a good day. To worship the Lord, to to lay ourselves down before him, to say, you know, he's worthy of it all. He is he's such a good God. We're in the middle of a series called Jesus is Greater, and we're studying Hebrews, and we are looking at 13 verses in chapter 4. 
And last week we went through the whole chapter of chapter three, and it was a lot of reading. And I know I do not make an apology for reading a lot of text. I want you to understand that. Like we're going to read thirteen verses, and I don't. I'm not going to apologize because it, it, it's counterintuitive for a pastor to read. A, you know, what I'm saying to apologize for reading the Bible, right? That'd be like a doctor apologizing for prescribing you medicine. I'm like I'm sorry, this is going to help you. Doesn't make sense. With that said, I'm going to tell you a joke. Um, I've already shared this one, so I kind of got the kinks worked out. But um, a pastor, he wanted to kind of make some extra money on the side and kind of get into the uh, community a little more. So he lived in, the, in, in a coastal town. So he's like, you know what, I'm going to become a lifeguard. And I'm going to volunteer, or not volunteer, I'm going to, I'm going to go become a lifeguard kind of meet people and um, on the beach and everything like that. So um, he worked there for like three days. And then the, the, the head lifeguard called him in and said, dude, we got to let you go. And he's like, why? He's like, five people have passed away on your watch. They've drowned. He's like, what do you mean they drowned? He's like, they would throw their hands up and all you would sit there and say is, I see that hand. Oh, come on. That's horrible. Where are the four jokes? Where are the four jokes? Actually, the new Fords come with a heated tailgate. Did you know that? And it's really nice going into winter. That way, when it breaks down, you have your hands warm as you push it. Oh, come, come on. Come on. That's, that's bad. All right, we're going to get into Hebrews chapter 4. And this is, I want us to, to, to build off of last week. And, and, and I would definitely encourage you guys, as you read the Bible, and you should read the Bible, this, is not the, this should not be the only time you encounter the Word of God during the week. If you only ate on Sunday, you would starve. You need to read the Bible. But, and, and I would encourage you, since you know we're in a, we're, we're in a series of Hebrews. Go read Hebrews. Read it again and again. It's such a good book. But he's building. Last week we talked about how Jesus is greater than Moses and, and, um, and how Moses was trying to lead the people into the promised land and, and that was God's rest. And, but God made a vow that they wouldn't because they, they didn't believe God. They didn't believe the promises of God. And the author of Hebrews um, is building off of that. He's building off of what he wrote last week because in the original text, this would not have had chapter and verses. It would have just been one big letter. And they would not have divvied it up like this. There was no subtitles in the original Bible, in the original letters. Um, scholars over the years have grouped it into... And I feel like that's good because we can kind of see, okay, at a glance, this is what this section's about. But the bad part about that is sometimes... We don't get the full context of what's going on in Scripture. So we don't get to see what's... we. How often... How many of you guys read subtitles of subtitles? I, I, I'm guilty of it. I'll read a subtitle to subtitle in the Bible, and sometimes you, le you lose the gravitas of everything around that. So we're building off of him talking about how Jesus is greater than Moses, and how last week we talked about how Jesus is, is, is greater because... 
He is our promised land. He is um, he has the ability to change our heart. Where Moses couldn't change a heart, Jesus can change a heart. Today, we're looking at how God really does want to give us his rest. He wants to give us his promise. And so it says in verse 1, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. Let's just, yeah, let's just take that in. Who wants to enter the rest of God? Every hand should go up. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of us, that some of you might fail to experience it. So there is this warning. God's offer still stands to enter his rest. It wasn't for, it wasn't just for the people of Israel 2,000 years ago. It was for today. But at the same time, we need to walk humbly with God so that we can experience the rest of God. And he's going to get into it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. Remember the Israelites, they were... they. They were on the cusp 18 months after they left Egypt. They're, they were, Arguably, at the time, they probably had the biggest army in the world. Millions of people. And they were right there, and they sent spies to scout out the land, the best route, and all these things. Two spies came out with a positive report. They, they, they all said, oh, yeah, it's a land filled only with milk and honey. They all said, oh, yeah, it's bountiful. It's amazing. And then ten spies said, no, we can't take it because there's giants. And Joshua and Caleb, two spies, said, no, we can take it because the Lord said it is ours. They stood on the truth of God's word, and those were the only two people out of that generation that left Egypt that got to enter the promise because they believed God and trusted God that he would do it. But the rest of that generation perished because they didn't believe God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for, uh, as for the others, God said, In my anger I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest, even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. We know it is ready because of the place in Scripture where it mentions on the seventh day, on the seventh day God rested from all his work. But in, the other, but in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. That was true 2,000 years ago when the author wrote this, and it's still true today. That time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Today, you, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them his rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. 
So there is a special rest still awaiting for the people of God. Praise God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joints and marrow. It exposes our inmost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one whom we are accountable I love how he ends this, this section with emphasizing the word of God. You want to know whether you are walking with God, allow the word of God to read you. Because the, the word of God is the only book that reads you as you read it. It's also the only book where the author actually sits down and reads it with you as you read it. Because the Holy Spirit's job is to illuminate Scripture to us. So as we read it, the Holy Spirit gives us understanding if we let him. And so one of the things that the Word does is it exposes our inmost thoughts. If, if you think for a moment, and I'm, I'm getting off on a tangent for a second, but if you think that you can do something that looks good to everyone else but have ulterior motives in your heart and and you think you're going to get away with it, you will not, because God sees the motives of your heart behind while you're doing it. So if you're, if you're being nice to someone to, to work an angle, God sees that, and he'll judge that. Because that's why he's such a good judge. He, he doesn't just look at the circumstances, he looks at why you did what you did. And there's nothing in all creation hidden from him. And that's what the Word of God does, too. It exposes us. When we read the Word and, and, the, and the Holy Spirit starts working on us through the Word, it's so powerful. Yesterday, for example, um, Amy and I were talking and we were listening to a news article. Um, I forgot what the news article was about. I think it was about Ukraine and our government and different stupid stuff going on and idiots and things and guys get the point but there was just this heaviness i was like oh this is just so heavy and i just stopped i said ames i gotta stop you for a second and i went and i literally opened up to acts chapter 20 and I, randomly that's where i was and i just i just started listening to the word of god for like five minutes i listened to the word of god because there was so it was just like everything it was just bad news upon bad news upon bad news and and um and on the news article that we were listening to, and I was like, I, I don't even want this in my life right now. I need God's word in me. And I went and listened to it. And once again, it's a double-edged sword. It, it literally cut that out. And suddenly, like, that, that heaviness that was from the news lifted. And I was like, okay, God's in control. God's going to move. God is faithful. And, and you know, it, it just it realigned me. That's what the word of God does. That has nothing to do with what we're speaking on today. That's bonus. So what we're talking about today is, the title of my message is, Play the Rest. Play the Rest. And that's a musical term. 
and we're going to get into it. But rest is a big deal to God. I, I want you to think about how big of a deal rest is to God. It's a huge, it's a huge deal. For instance, the author of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews literally listed the fact that Jesus rested. Jesus rested, or God rested after creation. Jesus rested after creating the world. Do you know how crazy that sounds when you think about God? He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He has all power. He did not even for one moment in creation exhaust himself. He literally spoke everything into creation except for man and woman. He, that was the only time he got his hands dirty in the dirt. He formed us out of dirt. But everything else, he just spoke he didn't exhaust himself. He didn't, for one moment, get tired during the process of saying, let there be light. Let the mountains separate from the oceans. Let the, you know, like, he didn't get tired one moment of creation. And yet, on the seventh day, he set a precedence by saying, I'm going to model rest. I'm going to model rest to my people. Because they're going to need to know they need to rest. And on top of that, when he decided to write down the law, his law to give to people the top ten, what did he write in it? Rest. On the seventh day, rest. Forsake not the Sabbath. And then Jesus turns around and reinforces it. He even wrote that in stone with his own finger. Jesus turns around and reinforces this with his, his disciples are walking through a field and they're picking the heads of grain and they're eating it because they're hungry. And it happens to be on a Saturday. And um, the, the religious people are like, I can't believe your disciples are working on the Sabbath because the, the Jews, like, they, they would follow the Sabbath like it was crazy. They wouldn't do a single thing. Even to this day in Israel, if you go, there are hotels that they have an elevator for the week and then they have an elevator for the Sabbath. And the elevator on the Sabbath stops at every floor so you don't have to push a button on the Sabbath. You just get in it and it just stops at every floor. That's, that's how religious they are because they want to honor the Sabbath. And Jesus even reinforces the, what God was trying to do with the Sabbath. He says, the Sabbath was made for man. It was there to help man, not man to serve the Sabbath. Because in their efforts of, of in their efforts of resting, they were working. And God's saying, no, you need to rest. And then Jesus in chapter Matthew chapter 11, he turns around and says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me let me teach you he says i'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light god is about rest and 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 so in 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 writing this message i want to give you one thought, but I have sub-thoughts that build into that, okay? 
So it's like multiple thoughts reinforcing one thought. I just confused everyone. Thank you. Let's go. But this is what the word rest in the Bible, that word that is in Hebrew, in the book of Hebrews, this is what, how it's been used throughout Scripture. I want us to read this. I'm going to read this to you. A putting to rest. So when Jesus calmed the storm, that's the same word that was used for rest. And so another place is a resting place. So the heavenly blessedness in which God dwells and of which he has promised to make persevering believers in Christ partakers after the toils and trials of life on earth are ended. So it's a calming of storms and a resting place. That's what the word means, rest. And, and I, I want us to get this before we really jump in. And this is all my intro. I have a four-hour message today on rest. I'm wanting to put all of you guys to sleep. God's rest doesn't make chaos of your life leave. It doesn't make bills go away. It doesn't make troubles stand still. God's rest reminds us that he is greater. It readjusts our focus through him. When we rest in him, we look at things through him, not through. So often we get guilty of looking at circumstances and then try to look at God through our circumstances, through our trials, through everything. And, and what rest does when we rest in God, it realigns it. We, we start looking at our trials, our, our circumstances through the lens of God. So my, my, my one and only thought for you today is Jesus is our rest. Jesus is our rest. He's that promised rest that God spoke of. It's, it's, not a, it's not a place. It's a person. It's a person of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, God's place of rest was literally the promised land. That's where he wanted to put his people. But now God has brought it to all of us. We might not ever go into Israel, but we can go into Jesus we can abide in him as he abides in us. When, 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 when we accept Christ into our lives, the Bible says we are in him and he is in us. We rest in him. So the first thought to reinforce that Jesus is our rest. Jesus' rest is active, not passive. It's active, not passive. <clears throat> When I was praying in this room for this message, um, this thought of a musical rest came to mind. Like musical rest. I, like I was sitting right there and I was just praying. And musical rest, musical rest. I'm like, God, what, what are you talking about? Musical rest. I'm like, I don't know anything about music. Like, I literally don't know anything about music. I, I know there's a treble clef, there's a bass clef, and there's a space between them. That's about it. And I used to know the acronyms, and I tried to remember them the other day, and I was like, please excuse my dare answer. Nope, that's math. That's a math acronym. That's, you guys are like, what, what is he talking about? It's fine. I don't know anything about music. But I do know at least two people that know a lot about music. 
And I tried to call Andy because I thought he would answer, and he didn't. He probably blocked my number. So I called Pastor Ben, and, and then he, he, I talked to him about music, and then, and then Andy called me back, and I talked to him about music. And I wrote some thoughts down about a musical rest that play into our rest. And there's such a synchronicity here. Because God's rest is active, it's not passive. What he gives us is not a passive thing that we just enjoy. We choose, we choose it. And so, um, both Andy and Ben actually just reinforced what I wrote down. And I knew that had to be the Holy Spirit, because I, once again, I literally know nothing about music. They're like, oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I'm like, oh, my goodness, because I'm, I'm, I'm literally writing stuff down. I'm like, I think it's true. I don't know, because I don't know anything about music. But here, here's the thing. Um, you play the rest. What does that mean? What does that mean? A rest, a rest is written into music. So... Even though what a rest is, it's the absence of noise in music. So whenever there's a pause in music, that's a rest. Okay? You guys have all heard songs. with re- Every song has rest written into it. There's not one song that doesn't. And some songs have, have more rest, like Beethoven's song. Dun, 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 dun. I mean, there's a rest in between every one of those notes, like, there's the absence of music. It's, it's written into music. And, and musicians, even though they're not playing a strumming a note, they, they, by, by not playing, by not playing, they're playing. They play the rest by not playing a note. It's an intentional thing. God wrote into our lives rest. It's not, pa- it's not a passive thing that God did. He intentionally wrote rest into our life. It's an active decision to rest in God's rest. Our enemy, Satan, wants nothing more than to run you ragged and make anxiety and depression rob you of every good thing God has for you. God knows this. God knows that our enemy's number one tool is to get us busy, to get us doing, 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 going from, going from thing to thing to thing to thing. God knows this. So what did he do? He wrote rest into your life. He wrote it. Just like a musician writes rest into the music. And it's up to us whether we play the rest. The second thing, well, rest is intentional. Rest is intentional. You've got to choose to rest. You've got to choose to rest. And the second thing is a rest is the momentary absence of noise. Momentary. So uh, uh, a, 
A musician will write a rest in the middle of a song. Does that mean the count of the song stops, Pastor Andy? No, even a rest, you keep counting. One and two and three and four, whatever, I don't know, like there could be one, two, three, four, I, I, don't, I don't know, I'm making this up. No. But the count of the song keeps going. Every song has a different count. Every song has a different feel. Some songs have a fast tempo. Some songs have a slow tempo. But the rest is written in there and is an active thing. It's not passive. A rest is a momentary absence of noise. Why? Why? I'm going to get to that. I know you guys are hanging on the edge of your seats, and it's crazy. Arrest is a momentary absence of noise. The song keeps going. The song keeps going, even though there's a momentary absence of noise. Everything in your life might not stop, but God will give you rest in the midst of chaos. He can give you rest in the midst of chaos. God can bring clarity in chaos when we rest in him. And so what does a musical rest really do, though? Because it's active and not passive, okay? So it's, a rest is, is not passive, it's active. You play the rest, even though you're not playing anything, but you still have to play it because it's written there. It's, it's intentional. Guys, if we did not have rest in music, a song would just sound constant. It would be like, uh, like it's the, the, the point of rest is you, you have song. Like that, that's what makes a song. Or as a singer, if you didn't rest, you can never catch your breath. You would literally pass out from holding a note. Like a rest allows you to go, <gasps> just like Andy does every Sunday morning. It's just like that. Like it allows him to catch his breath. But what else does arrest emphasizes what's next? Arrest emphasizes what's next. It doesn't ignore what came before. It builds off of it, but then it then it gives us space for what's next to really smack home. Man, you, most of the time, when uh, when when a musician writes a, a prominent rest into a song, they want what's following that rest to hit the the, the audience's ears just right. There are so many songs that do that. It emphasizes what's next. God gives rest to focus on what He's done in your past, like God's brought you through a lot. You need to reflect on that, but at the same time, as you're resting in God, you need to have an excitement for what God's about to do in you. God is not done with you. He's not done working through you. God, is, God has a purpose and a plan. Something big is about to happen, and God is building it in your life. And so rest emphasizes what's next. So Jesus' rest is not is not passive, it's active. And the, the second thought I want to give you that builds into this, Jesus' rest is now and to come. So there is a rest 
when, if, we, if we walk with Jesus and we've given our hearts to him, at the end of this life, we get to rest in him in glory. But at the same time, he has rest for us now. He, he wants us to enter his rest now. Just like eternal life doesn't start when you die. Eternal life starts when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You are, as soon as you accept him, your life goes from eternal death to eternal life. Eternal life starts now. His rest starts now. Why do you think Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight? Let's read it real quick. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I want to stop right there, because so often we've heard our whole lives, I've heard my whole life anyways, that this yoke is talking about like we get up under the yoke of like a, like a yoke of oxen, and God carries the weight of it. And, and so you get up under this yoke with God, and, and that's not what it's talking about. What Jesus is talking about is, in, in, in the first century, a yoke is the weight of a rabbi's teaching. So when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, he's saying, take my teachings upon you, which makes the next line make way more sense. Let me teach you. Like, how do you learn from an ox under the same yoke? No, Jesus was literally referring to the yoke of his teaching. He's saying, my, like, in, in that day, when you got up under a rabbi, you said, I'm going to submit my life to a rabbi. You took his yoke on you, and you did everything that rabbi told you to do. And let me tell you, the rabbis of Jesus' day were hard to follow. They demanded everything of you. I mean, like, you had to wash your hands at a certain angle. You had to walk a certain way. You had to pray a certain way. You had to do all these religious things because you were under the yoke of that rabbi. And so Jesus is speaking to a, a, a first century um, Jewish people that would understand that he's saying, take my teachings upon you for my yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light. He's saying, my, my, my teachings are not going to weigh you down. They're going to help your life. And so that we can rest now in the teachings of Christ. Well, what does Jesus teach us? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. What else does he teach you? He teaches you that God loves you and he cares for you, has a plan for you. What else does he teach you? That God wants to give you eternal life. What else does he teach you? That God is a, is a good father that loves you. Like there's a lot of love in Jesus' teaching. What else does he teach you? Well, he, he has some hard things too. He says, unless you love me more than you love your your wife, your, 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 your husband, your, your, your father, your mother, your, your son, your daughter, you're not worthy to be my disciple. He has some hard things too, but, but he's saying what, he, what, what he's really getting at is you got to love God more than anything else in your life. And that's not a hard command to walk in. 
Because when we love God more than everything else, everything else falls in line, right? Everything else falls in place. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. That's what the Bible, that's what Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount. Seek first the kingdom. He's saying, take my yoke upon you because he has rest for us now. Some of us have been putting a, a, a religious yoke on ourselves and we're putting expectations that God has never put on you. How can we give God our burdens that weigh us? How? We trust him. It's really simple. We trust him and we believe him. What kept the children of Israel from entering the promised land in the Old Testament back in Exodus, the second book of the Bible? They didn't trust God and they didn't believe God. And, and, and today, how, how do we give God, we take his rest on us and we receive his rest. We trust him. We trust him with, with everything. And we believe that he's going to do good for us. We put our faith in him. We learn from his leadership. And the last thing I want to hit you with, guys, is Jesus' rest is a choice. It's a choice. God never forces anyone to do anything. Why? Because God, he created freedom, and he's all about freedom. And he will never force you to receive any gift from him. He offers it, but he won't force you to take it. Because he's all about your freedom. You cannot receive the rest of God if you choose to disobey God, like Israel did. How did they disobey God? They didn't believe him. They didn't trust him. Like we said last week, their hearts were still in Egypt, even though their bodies were free. They longed for what God set them free from. And guys, they were just an example for what God wants to do. He wants to give us his rest. We might not be wandering through a wilderness in the Middle East, but I believe there are people who are trying to follow Jesus stuck in the wilderness of this world. I don't know if we realize this sometimes, but we are called to be a peculiar people, set apart. We are called to be different, and we are marked different from this world. How? Our love for Jesus and one another. We are marked. Jesus said, you will, people will know you're my disciples by how you love one another. Yet, the things that plague the world plague the church. And that shouldn't be. That tells me that maybe we aren't putting our trust in Jesus. If the things that are plaguing the world are plaguing the church. We're compromising on the truth of God's word to be politically correct, and we can't do that. May I submit to you that it is now 
that we as a body of Christ stand and say now more than ever before I will obey God. And I will put my faith in him even if it costs me. Even if it costs you. You want to enter the rest of God? I'm going to believe God if it costs me. And there's peace in that. The Israelites, like that whole generation died off. And God rose up a new generation that didn't know Egypt. And they took it. And get this, God gave the, the next generation the rest, the promised land, right? But what did they have to do to get it? They still had to go into battle. Did they not? They still had to go and fight to get what God was giving them. But the, the, the key difference is the Lord said, I will give it to you. What does that tell me? Every battle they entered was the Lord's. They walked into battle in his strategy, not their own. If you go read the, the book of Joshua, and I would encourage you to, it's so crazy. That's the generation. The book of Joshua um, emphasizes the generation that got the promise. And it's so crazy how they entered they entered, and, and they're, they're scoping out Jericho. And they're like, how are we going to take this walled, fortified city with walls so thick that chariots can race on top? How are we going to do this? And then God gave them a divine strategy because the battle was the Lord's. Then after Jericho, they scouted out, and they saw that this small army over here, they're like, oh, we only need like 2,000 people. Let's go take them. And guess what? They went in their own strength and got their butts kicked. But then God turned around and said, no, do it this way. And they had triumph. They had to swing a sword. God, I mean, because of the battle. They still had to go into battle, but the battle was the Lord's. And someone needs this today. Some of us are fighting battles in our own strength, and we keep going in cycles. We keep going in circles, and you don't know how to get out. And all you need to do, you need to rest for a second and then declare this. This battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Quit fighting in your own strength. The battle's the Lord's. I'm not saying don't go to battle, but the battle's His. He won it, He fought it. We need to remember in God's rest, when we rest in God, the battle is the Lord's. So here's the choice today. The choice that lies before us today is do I believe Jesus? Do I trust him to be my rest? Will I put my faith in him for everything in my life? Not just some things, not just a few things, but everything. Because God has rest for you today. Are you weary and heavy laden? Are you? Are you carrying things that you shouldn't be carrying because God doesn't want you to because he has rest for you? It boils back, do I believe God? Do I trust God? Do I believe God? Is my faith in God? Because he has rest for you. He has rest for you. I, I find... I find that when I'm, when I'm not believing God in my life for everything, 
I find that what hurts is my, my time in worship. My time in his word. I start, I start letting, I'm, I can't speak for everyone. I'm telling you what happens in me. When I start looking at the things of this world, just like yesterday, um, just listening to a news article, I'm not saying we're ignorant of what's happening in the world, but there's a heaviness right now. And I just felt so heavy. I'm like, I, I don't want to deal with this in my spirit. I need the word of God to realign me. I'm going to rest in that. Because I know that when I start focusing on other things in my life, even if they're good things, if I focus too much on being a dad or focus too much on being a husband and I, and I sacrifice my time with the Lord and my resting in the Lord then guess what? Even though I'm trying to be a better husband, I end up being a worse husband because I'm sacrificing my time with the Lord. And, and, and I'm not resting in him. I'm trying to rest in other things. Resting in my relationship with Amy is a horrible decision because she'll say, get off me. No, I don't, like, you're around me too much. She'll just, she always reminds me <laughs> so faithfully. Or, or like, you know, resting like, oh, you know, resting in my relationship with my kids. You know, it, it, it's so interesting. Like, I, I love to be a dad, but I can't depend on them to be my source of rest. I, I love the snuggles. In fact, yesterday I, I, I fell asleep on the couch holding Peyton. And the next thing I know, I'm getting smacked with my own hand because he threw my arm off of him. And so, like, it was so funny, but I was just snuggling him and I was resting but I can't rest in my relationship with my kids. There's only one relationship that gives life when we rest in him. And his name is Jesus. And he has rest for you today. But Jesus' rest is not automatic. It's a choice. Do you, are you going to choose to rest in him? Or are you going to rest in other things that, that promise rest, but they never give rest? Amy and I went to a pastor's retreat this last week. It's a retreat for us to get rest. And I came back more exhausted because I walked around Dollywood with my kids. Then I went on a five mile hike up a mountain with my kids, carrying my son on my back. And it was so restful. I was exhausted. I walked back and I, and I didn't want to tell Amy this because they're, they're like, oh, my legs are killing me. I'm like, my, my legs are fine. I'm like, I can't hardly walk. Oh my gosh. But we can, we can put rest in other things. But I find though, that recenters my rest on Jesus is the word of God and declaring him over my life. Like through worship. I don't know what song you guys are about to sing. The goodness of God. What a perfect song for that. When I worship, when I get into the word, it recenters me and it allows us to bring those burdens and to bring those heavy laden moments of our life to the Father that loves us. And to say, God, I want your rest. The number one way we fight our battles is on our knees and in I think there are people in here today that need rest. 
You've been looking at your trials too much. You've been looking at your burdens too much. And you just need to worship God and realign your focus on him. Realign your focus on him. Because God has rest for you today. So this is how I want it in. I want us to get up. Let's move. Let's get up. Let's stand up. Let's worship God. Let's realign our focus on him. Let's worship him, not just in mouth. It's real easy to just sing a song and not change. Think about what you're declaring. Think about it. Think about what you're reading when you read the Bible. Don't just go through the motions of a song because then we're, we're no different than the Israelites. They worship God in the wilderness, but they still can enter his rest because they are giving him lip service. God is not interested in lip service from you. He never has been, never will be. He wants worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. And what we have as an opportunity today, as we declare the truth of God, we can truly mean what we're saying. His goodness is running after, is running after me. Man, we're declaring the word of God in that song. What does it say in Psalm 23? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. We're declaring the goodness of God. We don't want to go through the lip service. Never, ever. Worship is worship in spirit and in truth. And if you, if you sing, let's sing from a place of God. I mean this with every ounce of my being. And that's what, that's what centers our rest into him. That's what allows us to rest back. It's almost like one of those trust falls. I could, tr- I could trust God to catch me. Man, I might get home and everything else is still in disarray, but I can rest in the person of Jesus Christ. If you're here today in the midst of worshiping and you say, you know what, I do need prayer for some things in my life. I'm gonna be right up here and I want you to come forward. And I wanna pray with you, but let's declare Let's declare, not, not, not just sing a song. Let's think about what we're saying and let's declare it in truth and let's rest in the person of Jesus Christ. And I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. In all my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing Of the goodness of God Sing all my life And all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so goodness of God. I love your voice. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire, darkest night. You were close like no other. I've known you. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. I have lived. 
goodness. Let's just sing that again all my life. Of the goodness. 